Welcome to SGTM Talks. We hope you find this encouraging and inspiring. If we've not yet met, I, my name's Jack. I'm uh, one of the curates and one of the clergy here at St. George the Martyr. And it's my privilege um, to not speak today as our amazing leader, Jamie, is going to come up in a minute and speak to us. Uh, continuing in on in our series of One John, a, a letter um, written by the beloved disciple himself to an, a, a church um, at the end of his life. And I'm going to read a, a portion of scripture um, as we often have done in this series, there'll be a long portion of scripture read and obviously in a short talk, not everything can be addressed, but there is power in scripture being read. Uh, so do listen out. You might want to find it in your Bibles. You might want to just turn your eyes to the screen as I read 1 John chapter 3, where John writes this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been known. But we know that Christ, when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and that in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen or know him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning, because they have been born of God. This is how we know who are the children of God are, and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain, who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is how we know we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. 
and this is his, his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Thank you, Jack. The reason I asked Jack to uh, give the reading is so, so that you don't think that comes, that's not part of my talk. So I'm very aware of the time limitation that we have at this midweek service. So my talk starts now, not at the beginning of the reading. Okay, great. Okay, perfect. I love kids. Kids are amazing. Kids are adorable, but we should just agree there is another side to them. Kids are amazing, but, uh, well, let's just say they keep you on their toes. It's with the kindest of hearts and the most honest heart that I bring you. Jamie's top five eternal truths about children. Number one, you spend the first two years, especially for Yulia, to spend the first two years teaching them to walk and talk, and the next 16 telling them to sit down and be quiet. Secondly, children seldom misquote you if, in fact, they will usually repeat word for word what you shouldn't have said. Uh, number three, the main purpose of holding children's parties is to remind yourself that there are children more badly behaved than your own. Number four, grandchildren are God's reward for not killing your own children. And number five, by all means, go ahead, child-proof your home, but they will still get in. Now, of course, I'm joking. Children are the most unbelievable, wonderful gift from God. Sure, it's always, it's not easy parenting, but there's encouragement from the fact that God himself had trouble raising children. What makes you think it would be a piece of cake for you? And that is exactly what Jesus is teaching through John here, and what John is saying, and Jesus makes clear in Matthew 18, verse 3, truly I tell you, until you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. And what struck me as reading this uh, chapter from 1 John was this repeated theme of us being children of God, child of God, children of God together. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, John begins in this chapter, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. It's this wonderful parallel with John's teaching and Jesus' teaching. But what does John mean? What does Jesus mean? We hear that concept of being a child of God so often. What does it mean? What are the specific qualities of a child that both Jesus and John are talking about, what attributes, what traits, behaviors should you and I be seeking to emulate on a daily basis in our walk with the Lord? And so I bring you another top five. My top five, Jamie's top five of kid traits, child traits that you and I should emulate in our faith. Very practical, this is for you to take away. Hopefully you'll remember this beyond tea time today. Um, and I'm gonna unashamedly use the word uh, child, as is my want on occasions like this. C-H-I-L-D. Five words. Uh, first of all, C, a child is... Anyone? What do you reckon? Yes! A child is curious. Is that with a no? Yeah. It's, it's not with a U, is it? In, uh, is it with a U? You have a U in America. Oh, you use a U on that one, but then you dispense with it on other occasions. I'm just joking. If you've ever spent longer than five minutes with a small human person, then you'll know that they are full of questions. If you don't believe me, try these on for size. I, I've culled these from billions out there. 
In the olden days, was everything black and white? My kids say that to me. They honestly do. How did people make the first tools if they didn't have any tools? That's actually a really good question. What did it feel like on your last day of being a child? That's such a great question to an adult. And from our ver my very own daughter, Thea, where, uh, when she was five, she came to me looking concerned. And she said, Daddy, what if this, this life, is all a dream? Deeply existential at the age of five. What do you say to that? In suggesting that we should be like children, I believe that both John and Jesus are saying that it is good and it is normal to remain forever curious. Verse 2 of what we've just read. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. So much mystery. Right at the heart of the communion liturgy is great is the mystery of faith. It's so mysterious, and we should be forever inquisitive about life, inquisitive of the Lord. He is our Father. We get to ask questions. Certainly, my children are always asking me questions, and I love that. I may not have the answers, very rarely, in fact, but I love that they come to me and ask. In the same way, it's a crucial element of our faith that we continue to ask questions. God is bigger than our questions. He can handle it. Jesus says of himself, he is the truth. And if that is correct, then that truth towers over us like Mount Everest. No amount of us trampling around on, on it is going to diminish that mountain. And so the constant post posture of our hearts and minds should be one of bending into God, inquiring of him, Father, what's going on here? I don't understand this. Please give me revelation. Because here's the thing, Jesus was no different. He was constantly in line, coming in line with the will of the Father. We read that Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. John 5, 19, Jesus gave him this answer, very truly I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. So an attitude for us to emulate every single day is, what are you doing, Father? What? What, what are you doing right now? What, are you, what, is this, what is today about? Absolutely available to you and me. The faith walk that Jesus wants us to live is not some staid and dusty rule book regimen, but a faith that's dynamic and alive. It's crackling with energy. It's buzzing with eternal electricity. It's a faith that says every morning, what are we going to encounter today, Lord? What, what are you doing today, Father? I don't understand this. Could you bring revelation to this, this situation? Might be a, may I be alive in your presence today? I want to be curious. I want to explore, and I want to explore with you. Albert Einstein said, one cannot help but be in awe when one contemplates the mysteries of eternity, of life, of the marvelous structure of reality. It is enough if one tries merely to comprehend a little of this mystery every day. Never lose a holy curiosity. A child is curious, so be curious about the Lord. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And a child is, this is an easy one, honest. Thank you, Ben, at the back from the cheap seats. Fantastic. Child is honest. If you've ever spent any time with kids, say the average six-year-old, you will know just how honest they are, straightforward, candid, their heart is fully on their sleeve, so there's no pretense. 
They haven't yet learned to hide their feelings. What you see is what you get. And just wait till they pray, for example, the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. Three-year-old Reese said, Our Father, who does art in heaven, Harold is his name. One four-year-old prayed, And forgive us our trash baskets, trash baskets, as we forgive those who put trash in our baskets. Which I think is a brilliant interpretation. And one little hero who is wonderfully honest in his prayer, Lord, if you can't make me a better boy, don't worry about it. I'm having a really good time like I am. <laughs> I love that. Jesus points at the child. John goes on to say, we are all children of God. And a part of that is just be honest. Be honest. Our approach to our Heavenly Father needs to be filled with honesty. Before Him, pouring out our deepest feelings and before our brothers and sisters. One of the greatest children of God to ever have lived, King David, had the most precious relationship with the Father. I believe that was because of his raw honesty. You've only got to open the Psalms. You see it page after page after page, this breathtaking level of candor before the Lord. And we may feel the need to pull ourselves together for church, fix on a mask before one another, but that's our heart for this church, is that you can just come as you are, be who you are, not try and be something different in order to fit in. And within that, find one or two, just one or two people that you can turn to and be honest with and say, look, this is what's going on in my life. I don't like it. Please, will you pray for me and help me through with this? We had our staff meeting this morning. I was really honest with them about some stuff. It's really good to get honest rather than hiding away in the shadows. And I think that's what God wants from us, that same childlike honesty that doesn't have a filter. Thirdly, I know I need to shut up. A child is intimate, intimate. Didn't even give you a chance to say that one, but I don't think anyone would have got it. The love that a father, a parent and a child have, there's an intimacy to that. A child would do anything to maintain an attachment with their parent. They crave intimacy. They long to be in a place that they know they're held and cared for and loved. After the christening of his baby brother in church, Jason sobbed all the way home in the back seat of the car. His father asked him three times what was wrong. Finally, the boy replied, the preacher said he wanted us brought up in a Christian home but I just want to stay with you. <laughs> Children have an endless capacity for attention, for time together, playing together, walking, biking, baking, playing, running, even sleeping next to you. And in my experience, when you're in the shower, not at the age they are now, but with little, little ones, when you're on the loo, oh, hello, can I help you? They just have to be near you. Who can, how, who can forget that wonderful clip from from lockdown, that Zoom. Do you know the one where the guy is on, uh, he's on the Zoom, he's the foreign correspondent from Asia and the little kid <laughs> comes in and then the kid on the little stroller comes in and he's getting more and more. They just want, the assumption is constant access, total acceptance. And that is exactly what Jesus is pointing at when he says, be like a child. That's exactly what John is talking about here. We are children of God. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Constant access, total acceptance. It's the assurance of an intimacy of a relationship that, that allows for admittance into the very presence 
of the Father. Your Father has all the time in the world for you. The reason he has time for you is because he loves you more than you could imagine. Brennan Manning in Abba's Child, his book, the subtitle, The Cry of the Heart for Intimate Belonging, says, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self. Every other identity is illusion. Fourthly, anyone for the L? I'm going to put limitless. Limitless. When you look at a child, there is... uh, one of the reasons we love to look at a child is because we see like an untapped gold mine. We just see unbelievable potential. The world is their oyster. I love to tell my kids, you could do anything. You could do anything. It's a classic question. What do you want to be when you grow up? I'll be honest with you. I wanted to be a park ranger. That didn't happen. It's, it's such a great question, isn't it? There's an awareness of all the opportunity in the world. It's out there waiting. And... We all wish that we could feel that untapped potential again. Spiritually, we can. Children are limitless. They're limitless in forgiveness. They keep it so good. If you know the kids are so good at keeping short accounts, they might bash someone over the head and then they're back into being great best friends again. They move on so quickly. They're limitless in their insatiable sense of adventure. There's always more to explore. They're never satisfied in a good way. They're always looking for the next play date when this one's just ended. They're relentless in their pursuit of life. Limitless seeking, limitless imagination, limitless willingness to stop and smell the flowers. Where no agenda is the agenda. Fully present, fully alive. The unself-conscious pursuit of the fun and the funny A child is limitless, as Jesus points out, as John defends this idea. We are children of God. Be limitless in the same way. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. Wow. There's no limits here. Our limitless potential in him. Such adventure, unpacking all that we are in him. We're his children. We're here to enjoy life. We're here to enjoy life and have the most amazing fun, limitless in our expectation of how God can use us. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. You're going to get D. D is child looks to you. It needs you for its food and its dependent. Ben, thank you. It's a long one, so I'm going to take ages writing this one. Dependent. It's dent, isn't it? Not damp. That's right. Any child is utterly dependent on its parents. How to stay safe, how to stay healthy, how to grow right. As John reminds us, we are children of God, and as such, we are so primitive in our needs. By definition, we have to trust God. We have to trust for our provision. Verse 21, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask. That's the childlike trust that God wants us to have. The Father wants us to approach him with that awareness of my complete dependence and my need to receive from him what only he can provide. You know, it's funny, we often speak of children as innocent, but of course, in truth, they're not innocent. We're all as fallen as each other. 
We're, we're born that way. None of us is born good. And John makes that patently clear in this chapter. You're not a good guy by nature. You're not a good person by nature. We're all intrinsically selfish, morally lost, desperately in need of Jesus as our source of grace just to get through the next day. And in that, we may think we are forever locked into patterns of thought and behaviors, ways of seeing the world, world, ways of acting, thinking, well, that's how it always will be. But, as John makes clear in this passage, the truth is a child is trainable. And so you and I can change. We can change. We have a choice. We have a constant choice. Which way are we going to lean, into the light or into the dark? We can know, if we will allow it, the impact of God's love and power changing us, transforming us. He is the one who's never changing. And compared to him, we're endlessly mutable. Every single day, we have a choice. And what changes us is his love. It's the power of the Holy Spirit bringing his image more and more in us, bringing us ever closer to that perfect destiny for our lives. Verse 24, the one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. I've loved all four of my kids with all of my heart since the moment they were born. But each of them had done nothing to be loved, nothing to deserve it, especially when they leave me, all they're washing up. But they are fully loved. They are fully loved. In the same way, you and I have done nothing, nothing, and can do nothing to earn the love of our Heavenly Father. We simply receive the full force of His love, accepting that Jesus gave Himself up on the cross for each of us. We're utterly dependent on the tender and total love of Abba Father. His love raining down on us and coursing through us, bringing change around us. Be curious, be honest, be intimate, be limitless, be dependent. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Amen. Thank you for listening to SGTM Talks. We hope you found this insightful and inspiring and can tune in again soon. In the meantime, try out our website, sgtm.org. Thank you.